0: Recently I had an opportunity to attend a very special event at Frog Holler Farm near Jackson, Michigan, or Irish Hills. And Frog Holler Farm is a small farm but they host a lot of events out there and if you ever have a chance to go to Hollerfest, highly recommend it. It's one of the most child friendly music festivals, bluegrass festivals in the whole state of Michigan. But this was the Great Lakes Foragers Gathering, this is an opportunity for foragers weirdos like me who go into the woods and eat stuff they find on the ground to come together and share with each other all the stuff that we'd found on the ground and that we would learned how to eat. It was a really good time. We all ate really well. Nobody got sick. We ate some weird stuff. There were a lot of workshops. I attended the workshop on seasonings, how to like find different seasonings and flavors in the forests of Michigan. There was a roadkill workshop on how to correctly prepare roadkill for your family's dinner. I did not attend that workshop, but I'm glad that there's somebody out there thinking about that stuff. But we all of us had one thing in common. There was about 250 of us at that gathering. All of us were unsatisfied or dissatisfied to simply get all of our food from the grocery store. Everyone who was at that event Felt a little bit alienated at some point in their life by having to get into a car or take public transport and use technology to go to the sterile building that was filled with what they called food and then give money for the food put it in the car and then drive it home and then cook it in our kitchens and eat it when most of us could look out the windows of our house and see that there's plants and stuff growing all around why the heck aren't we eating these plants why are we spending all this money and going all this way to find all this food where does food come from i was very lucky to be raised by a very strange man uh, who learned how to forage from his dad in south haven he taught me listen nathan it's important that you understand that food doesn't just show up at the grocery store it comes from someplace later on when i was in college i had to make an important decision about whether or not i was going to become a vegetarian it was a really big deal at the time we were all trying to figure out ways to freak our parents out and i thought maybe i'll become a vegetarian that would really get my mom wound up but i really enjoy eating meat and i had to reconcile that with what i knew about industrial farming and industrial cattle production in the u.s and so i decided that i was going to do what my uncle's family did which is learn how to hunt and I was going to commit to making sure that the meat that we ate was from meat from animals that I had sustainably harvested in an ethical way and that way I could justify eating the meat that we have in our house. All of these things are choices that we have to make based on our relationship with the natural world. I know that I've told this story before but I'm going to tell it again because I really think whether he knew it or not his story is based in Jesus's teachings. David Foster Wallace was not famously known as a person of deep faith. He was an American author, he was a writer and a thinker, and he taught creative writing for many years. And he gave a commencement speech at a college one time, he was talking to these graduates, and he told this, the famous story of the fish. I know some of you have heard this before, but bear with me because I love telling it. The story goes like this. There's two young fish, and they're on their way to work in the ocean. And they're like, maybe they're like accountants or something. They've got their little fish briefcases. <laughs> they're trying to get to work and they're really busy. And they're in a hurry. And on their way to work, they pass an old fish. And he's going the other way. And the old fish stops. He says, Hey, fellas, how's the water today? And he keeps swimming. The two other businessmen fish, they keep going until finally one stops and turns to the other one. And he goes, What the heck is water? The point of that story is that sometimes it takes us a long time to realize that the waters are all around us. We just don't realize it because we're living in it. In this story from Matthew, Jesus wants us to understand we're not these weird aliens that got dropped off in a spaceship in some entirely alien environment, someplace that's different. We're not somehow different from all of the other aspects of God's creation. We like to think of ourselves that way, but the truth is that we are like the lilies like the birds all of us wound into this intense ecosystem this web of interconnected life and in our modern society especially under the commodification of food under post-capitalism even the food that we eat seems to be something alien to the world around us as though corn and flour didn't develop from the same grasses that we see all around us today as though the apples and cherries and pears that we eat didn't come from fruit that had been growing on trees for hundreds of thousands of years before human beings even showed up on the scene. We're all interconnected in this. We're part of the water. And just like that, we're part of the creation. In Jesus' time, there's something really scary taking place. There's a lot of scary things taking place. But one of the things that particularly concerned Jesus' people was that when the Romans came in, and basically occupied their land they started doing something that had never been done before in jesus's land in the Levant, in in, in palestine they began using mile markers to to break the land up into property into property now prior to this families had lived in different valleys and settlements and things like that but there weren't property lines it was basically like This is where Hezekiah's family farms, and and it would be passed down from generation to generation. It wouldn't be broken up and split up into small parcels and then sold for certain values. That's what the Romans brought. There's a fancy Latin word for this, it's called latifundialization, but it's a particular concern in the time of Jesus. Jesus sees some of his followers getting on board with this, thinking to themselves, if I just own this land, if I could just buy more property, then I'd be able to produce more food and make more money. But what Jesus is telling us is something that First Nation people have known for centuries. Is that you can't own a piece of land. You can't own a fish in a river. You can't really own any of this stuff. Because all of it is dependent on everything else to be able to produce abundantly. We're like that. People can't be owned. People are part of the creation. Just like the fish in the ocean, just like the tree on the land, we're part of this thing. Another way I've heard it put is that you're in your car, you're driving down the highway, your beloved spouse calls you on the phone, says, where the heck are you? Why aren't you where I told you to be when I told you to be there? And you say, honey, I'm sorry, I'm stuck in traffic, right? I'm stuck in traffic. You're not stuck in traffic. You are traffic. (laughs) You are the traffic. But because we have this mindset that we are these totally independent creatures, that we're totally one object that is going through the world. I've heard it called by the, uh, the Zoomers, the Gen Zers, they call it main character syndrome. Has anybody heard about this? This is this idea that you're the main character and everybody else in your life is a bit player. <laughs> That's not true at all. Every single human being you will ever meet, no matter how young or old they are, no matter what their life is held, every single one of them is an epic masterpiece. Every single human being on this planet is an incredible story waiting to be told if you just ask the right questions. Everybody's been through some scary stuff, and everybody has seen some kind of amazing miracles. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't say to yourself, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to do tomorrow? All that is around you will provide for you if you pursue the kingdom of God and righteousness right now he's saying that specifically because he's saying rather than what these Romans want you to do which is to pursue the accumulation of wealth pursue the accumulation of status pursue the accumulation of security pursue the accumulation of celebrity all of that is mammon worship that's worshiping things that are going to alienate you from God's good creation but rather pursue what the kingdom of God which we know the kingdom of God, right, is community, it's loving relationships with your neighbors, it's trust, it's mutual companionship, that's the kingdom of God, and righteousness, living in a way that contributes to the project of shalom, of God's good creation. If you do these things, then all will be all of the things that you need will be given to you. Now he doesn't say you're gonna get wealth, status, or celebrity, but he says that you will be given. an inheritance you will be given a life for the ages which is the best thing that any of us could hope for so this week I want us to try to integrate ourselves a little bit more in the environment that's around us Sam Thayer probably my favorite forager and teacher he well created a field guide of food that you can find most of it in West Michigan and he counted, he went to several grocery stores and he counted the number of plants that, that were at the grocery store. We don't think about the grocery store as being full of plants, but that's really what it is. It's a big warehouse full of plants that we've messed with. <clears throat> and there were 140 plants in your average grocery store. Apples, pears, bananas, but also like wheat and oat and bran and all of those sorts of things. 140 different plants. He wrote a field guide, an incomplete field guide that is specific to this area And he identified over 800 plants that you can eat, many of them in your backyard. So this gives the lie to the fact that there's this scarcity of food. There's this scarcity of resources. We have everything that we need. He's only restating what Jesus says here. God has created a world of abundance if you only open your eyes to receive it. So this week, as we prepare to depart from this incredible, beautiful place, I want us to really soak in the richness of our interconnectedness with the creation. You're not living on the earth. You are literally the earth experiencing itself. You're not here for a short time and then you vanish. You are the creation. You're special. You were made by God in God's own image. But you are still functionally a part of this planet. And because of that, you can never be separated from God, from one another, or from the environment around us. And so as Christians, we have a deep and holy and sacred responsibility to protect the environment, protect the earth, and make sure that it is here to receive the people who will come after us. And not just the people, but the dogs too. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen.